Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Thomas Benjamin. Thomas is the Executive Vice President, Chief Technology Officer, and Head of Platform and Analytics Research and Development for NI, a 40-year-old company that has developed automated tests and automated measurement systems that help engineers solve some of the world's toughest challenges. NI earns nearly one and three quarters billion dollars in annual revenue. Thomas has been in role for about two years, and he drives extraordinary innovation for his company and its customers. I look forward to learning more about his methods, as well as the results of those methods through this conversation. Thomas has been an executive at a wide array of scaled companies, including SAP, GE Aviation, Emirates, Visa, Walmart, and Oracle. I also look forward to understanding a bit more of the advantages of such a diverse array of companies and industries that he's been involved with as well. Thomas, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Thank you, Peter. It's nice to talk to you. Yeah, so I've been looking forward to to, to speaking with you. Uh, Why don't we take a moment, if you don't mind, Thomas, and if you could provide a bit more of an overview of NI's business, I would appreciate that. Now, NI is a test and measurement company, and our goal is to help our customers use test and measurement as a strategic differentiator in helping improve their product and business performance. Now, how do we do this? We do this by a combination of hardware and software that we provide for our end customers. Some examples of our hardware could be like the automated test equipment for semi manufacturing or the battery validation system for the transportation industry. On the software side, we provide products like LabVIEW, which helps customers create tests from a design specification, sequence test, and do advanced analytics using products like Optimal Plus, which is used in the semi-industry, which processes about 100 billion microprocessors per year. So in essence, we focus on four core industries, which is semi and electronics, transportation, aerospace and defense, as well as what we call a portfolio business, which includes healthcare, life sciences, academics, et cetera. Very interesting, Thomas. And may I ask you, as you work in those segments, do you have, you must have great expertise in each of those areas. So taking the 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 the, the topic of, of testing that you've just uh, provided a nice overview for, but also having a foot in each of those worlds to some extent to understand the broader implications, which are I would imagine very different uh, for semiconductors versus EVs or autonomous vehicles versus missiles, radars, et cetera, uh, and and what you described as your portfolio business. Um, Can you talk a bit about the segments themselves and how they're organized and and, and how your team and and those teams work together in order to innovate? Sure. Now, each segment has, as you rightly pointed out, a certain specialization. For example, the semi-industry is very dovetailed towards the capabilities needed for semiconductor validation labs and semiconductor manufacturing at the end of the day. The battery or the transportation industry, we focus on two domain areas, whether it's electrification of vehicles, as well as autonomous systems and the power electronics and the power systems that go behind it. In the aerospace and defense, we focus on missiles, radar testing, and things like that. But there is a common thread that goes across all of them, which makes the foundational building block of our platform On the hardware side, we have these modular hardware building blocks called PXI systems, which essentially are used to build complex system of systems like the automated test equipment for semiconductor industry called STS or the battery validation systems. On the software side also, we have a software platform that transcends across all these domains because we deal with the ability of acquiring data in batch, micro batch or real time transforming the data, processing the data, and applying the appropriate analytical patterns to identify 
root cause of an anomaly. And there are similarities because when you look at a semiconductor wafer, a wafer is made up of a bunch of dyes or microprocessors. A battery pack is made up of a collection of battery cells. So there are things that we can take as a common thread at the hardware and software level, but then on top of which we can layer domain-specific capabilities so that we can fine-tune them for each of those specific industries. Very, very interesting. I appreciate that overview. I wanted to get into your role more specifically, if I may, Thomas. You're the Executive Vice President, Chief Technology Officer, and Head of Platform and Analytics of Research and Development for NI. Talk a bit about, it's quite, quite, a, quite a mouthful, uh, talk a bit about uh, the various parts of that role and what's within your purview, please. Sure. I lead the technology strategy for the company, both for the hardware and the software side, and I lead the software R&D team, which is essentially the software engineering team, including product management, software engineering, data science, quality, et cetera. And also our innovation labs, which also looks about the next generation capabilities that we can kind of bring into the uh, system. For example, can the test instrument be distributed between the edge and the cloud? There's so many different possibilities that begin to happen at that point of time. Well, that's interesting. And I'd love to dig further into, if I might, Thomas, this whole notion of the innovation lab and how you investigate the art of the possible, if you will, on behalf of your company. And of course, very importantly, on behalf of your customers as well. Sounds like even in your earlier response in terms of the segments and the nature of the business, there is a lot that is innovative here. And in fact, even thinking about the segments, uh, to just if I may take one of them, EVs and autonomous vehicles, there's so much innovation that's happening in those industries that to serve them, you must be remaining cognizant of those advances so that you're at least uh, serving as a, you know, kind of on a, on an equal footing to be uh, appropriate advisors and partners working with them as well. So I guess at a high level, I'd love to get into the mechanics of the innovation labs in a moment. But before we do, what are the ways in which you and the team remain current on the topics that are important for you to uh, develop expertise in or remain abreast of and so on? So we have two parts of the organization. One is our business units, which are working very closely to the customers in the four large segments that I mentioned earlier. So we have subject matter experts or offering managers in our business units, and we have the technology specialists within my group, and they pair together and figure out, one, what are the big customer problems that you can look at solving together? Then my team has a good handle of the technology capability that's available in the industry today. What's the art of the possible? For example, can you take capabilities like generative AI and simplify and improve productivity? Because what can be done in a day or two by a test engineer, can you get that done by minutes? So these are the kind of different uh, things that we stitch together, explore what's the art of the possible, do some small prototypes, and then we start engaging with customers early on so that we can essentially have a design partnership with the customer and solve a real-world problem. Because at the end of the day, it's all about finding ways to add value to the customer, going back to a goal of using test and measurement as a strategic differentiator to help improve product and business performance for the customer in each one of the segments that we're focusing on. And as I, very interesting, and I, I'd love to talk more about then the, the mechanics of the innovation labs themselves. Can you talk a bit about you know, how they work and how they develop all that they do? The Innovation Lab focuses more on what we call Horizon 3, what's the art of the possible in the next three to five years. So we bring a set of Innovation Lab experts in a particular domain. We have RF engineers, we have battery specialists, we have advanced analytics specialists, AI ML specialists together, along with the business domain. So let's take 
an example that we actually did and demonstrated in my NI Connect keynote earlier this year. We worked, we've been doing a lot of work on semi-manufacturing with our O plus solution. Like I said, we process 100 billion ties or microprocessors every year. From there, we are able to detect what are the different root causes of scratches or defects in a silica wafer as it gets manufactured. Now, we had a couple of offering managers from the business unit work with some of the experts and my team to come up with a specialized AI algorithm to determine scratches and root causes of scratches. We built it as an internal prototype. And this was based on, again, the significant domain expertise that we've built in this space for over two decades. We then worked with a customer like Renesis to actually show them as a concept. They liked the concept. And then we implemented this concept as part of a design partnership. And the implementation in the first six months, we were able to reduce the time it takes to identify the root cause of an anomaly by 25%. Now that we have hardened this, we are looking to now take this forward as a horizontal capability within our product that we can democratize to all our customers, helping improve their product and business performance. This is one pointed example of how we have approached this problem. Very interesting. And you mentioned uh, among the areas of emphasis, uh, the Horizon 3 areas that you are, you're advancing, artificial intelligence is among them. Uh, certainly a topic that's been hot for some time, but all the more so now with the uh, continued advancements and uh, broader use of generative artificial intelligence. Uh, I, I know from our past conversations, uh, an area that, again, you are emphasizing considerably. Can you talk a bit about some of uh, what you and the team are doing and uh, some of the value propositions you're beginning to uh, identify as a result of that testing? Ever since the advent of ChatGPT in, available to the broader public in November of 2022, we've been looking at this technology very closely. I wanted to find ways and means by which we could use this technology because we have a large corpus of test and measurement information based on a deep domain expertise in those four different businesses in hardware and software. So we, our first goal was how do we add value to the customer? Because one thing that we see every customer do is take a design spec, and for that design spec, they start creating test routines. Now, 40 years ago with our LabVIEW product, we provided a visual way by which test engineers could create their test routines without worrying about how do you connect to the device, the device drivers. We encapsulated all that in a simple visual system. Now, we thought there's a great opportunity to turbocharge this with generative AI. So using generative AI, we took some of our design specs, trained it on generative AI, and taught it to expose LabVIEW VLI code that we could essentially then test against an equipment to see if the code actually does the right test. And with a control set of training within our prototyping environment with the right guardrails without leaking any specific IP outside into the public forum, we found some great results which we demonstrated as a prototype in my Anaconic keynote about 60 days ago in Austin, where we could take a design spec and give it to the AI. We built this AI tool called Nigel on top of the chat GPT APIs so that it could introspect the spec, it could introspect the test and measurement hardware, create the lab view code and connect it to the hardware, deploy it to the hardware and run that test. So what would typically take half a day for some really complicated tests, we could get it done in less than five minutes. So this is just the tip of the iceberg. Now, it's not just creating the tests. Tests are not created as individual tests. They're a collection of clusters of tests which are sequenced in a certain order. And these sequences are typically static sequences. 
Now, understanding the context of tests in certain industries, they let you evolve that sequence dynamically. Can we make this using Gen AI? Can we dynamically sequence it based on the context of the test and figure out more value addition to the customer? So these are some of the examples by which we can apply generative AI on a lot of use cases. A compelling example. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, it occurs to me throughout our conversation, uh, certainly a thread that's pulled in my mind uh, across it is the necessity for you to have uh, a means by which you are building the skill sets to support the innovation you're describing. This emphasis on on Horizon 3 and particularly innovative topics like the one you just delved further into, generative AI. Um, I wonder how you think about building the team and the skills to be able to bring breathe life into this and the mix of hiring people that have existing expertise versus training individuals uh, to develop it as the, as time goes on. So I think this has been a core capability that's been in a DNA of NI right from the beginning, looking at the different industries that we're working on. We have engineers who are really good at software and hardware capabilities in these domains, who are most importantly open-minded enough to pick up new capabilities, right? So the way this started off is I, I got a name by ChatGPT when it first came out, and I actually pulled in a bunch of our engineers together and said, let's look at it, let's see what we can do with it. And they started exploring the APIs behind ChatGPT. And slowly, we started building these prototypes. We didn't get any external experts. We had enough internal data science capability as well as software engineering and hardware capability within the company that it was actually exciting to all the engineers in the team. Because as engineers, we are always used to learning new things. Having been now in the industry for 25 years, none of us use the same tools, programming languages, or frameworks that we used when we graduated from college. We've all learned a lot of new things. And this space is so new that it's not easy to even find experts because whatever experts who are there are there with OpenAI or Microsoft or Google, for example. So we got to kind of evolve with it. And then we started slowly looking at finding and having discussions with the top experts within the industry, within these domains like large language models, how do you do prompt engineering, fine tuning and things like that and started working on this and learning as we go along. And I want to hire a few specific experts who can be multipliers, because one thing that is important that I've learned over my career is domain expertise is very difficult to replace, while technical skills can be easily trained and picked up as long as you create the right cultural environment and openness and freedom to experiment and freedom to fail fast within the organization. It's also so interesting that uh, it really highlights uh, the necessity of having people who are autodidactical and comfortable at the intersection of disciplines. And one of the things I know from our past conversations, Thomas, is that you have a really varied uh, career path in terms of the industries you've been a part of, the companies you've been a part of, as varied as SAP and GE Aviation, uh, Emirates Group in the airline industry, Visa, Walmart, Oracle. I mean, these are uh, a variety of industries, some very tech-centric, like an SAP or an Oracle, um, some where perhaps a little bit less so, but still have a, a central nervous system that involves technology, to say the least, as well. And so I can only imagine that you are comfortable uh, with these sorts of changes of drawing insights in unusual ways uh, from one industry to the next, while also being that autodidact, as you say, like the, the being comfortable with climbing a ladder in a certain industry and then finding a new ladder to begin to climb uh, along the way as well. Can you talk a bit about some of the advantages of the career path that you've chosen that's taken you to your current opportunity at NI? Sure. 
No, I, my first 13 years I spent at Oracle and that's where I cut my technical teeth and chops, right? I was a hands-on developer on so many teams and worked between the database, the collaboration suite product called Beehive and finally the Fusion platform. And for me, one of my Gallup strengths is learning. It's one of my top three strengths as an example. And I love learning new things. And I read an interesting book about 15 years ago called The Medici Effect, which talks about disruptive innovation being in the intersection of domains. So since reading that book, whenever I switch careers, I've consciously picked different domains. So I've gone from pure software development to e-commerce to aircraft engines, maintenance and manufacturing to supply chain and procurement to airlines, payments, and now for test and measurements at national instruments. But the key thing here is there are patterns that you see in different industries that you can cross-pollinate. Techniques I learned in predictive maintenance of aircraft engines could be applied here at NI to help identify leading indicators for the root cause of an anomaly. Techniques I learned at Visa to build a highly resilient system that can work at four or five nines of availability are things I can cross-pollinate over here and vice versa. So for me, I enjoy this and I try to kind of be the multiplier within the organization to create that kind of a capability because the four different domains that we work here in NI are so different. One of the things I also noticed is that a lot of the engineers in NI are actually comfortable working in this kind of an environment because we can see how the thread connects itself between semi-manufacturing, electronics, transportation, aerospace and defense or healthcare and life sciences, for example. That makes a lot of sense. And for, for those who, who might be interested, the, the full title is The Medici Effect, What Elephants and Epidemics Can Teach Us About Innovation by Franz Johansson. Thank you for that recommendation as well. Very, very interesting. And, and another thing that occurs to me as you were describing the, the methods you've used across your career, but more specifically in recent months even, uh, to become uh, 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 more, more further uh, educated on uh, and immersed in uh, new topics like, like a generative AI, for example, the importance that a leader like yourself is getting your hands dirty, that it, this is not just uh, shoveling off work to other people to draw insights, but they they need to see, I, I, this is my inference, which you will uh, let me know whether the hypothesis is correct, but that they can see that you're also very actively engaged in the learning process. Uh, can you talk a bit about, if I am correct, in fact, in that hypothesis, the importance of leaders to be engaged uh, in new topics and training and learning as, as a means by which uh, others might, might aspire and recognize that that's also a pathway towards not only greater insight, but greater opportunity, perhaps in an organization like yours. No, you're spot on. I'm, I am a hands-on reader. I like learning. I still code even today. Uh, just to keep myself up to date so that I know what are the different capabilities of the different product. So, and you have to take, have, the, have the approach of like a helicopter. You need, when you work with the right people, you need to be able to zoom into fairly enough detail and you need to also have the ability to zoom out to abstract concepts that you can present, right? So as an example, at NI, as I got enamored with generative AI when ChatGPT first got announced, I needed to get support at different levels within the organization. So first, I actually sent an email to my entire leadership team, including my senior and all my peers, saying, this is what ChatGPT is all about. This is in, in the end of November. And got everybody hooked on to ChatGPT. And each one of them took it home. They started playing with it. They started understanding the value of it. Then we pulled in a bunch of engineers to see what could we actually do with it. And everybody got excited looking at what the AI was able to do. right? And I still remember during the early days, it could solve a lot of interesting questions, but if I asked it, 
For example, can you tell me the position of the letter E in the word kitchen? It would actually tell me there's no E in kitchen, for example, right? Then it started giving me the position, but it was still giving it wrong. So there are things that the model can do, but things it can't do, for example. But that happens only when you immerse yourself into that. And every role that I've been with as a CTO now for the last seven years, I make sure that I have the architecture team reporting to me directly because I am a hands-on person. I love being focused on the architecture. And having worked with that team directly, including all the key architects within the team, we have brainstorming sessions together. Even now we're having a huge discussion over the last 90 days of what our next generation architecture is going to be, bringing edge spoke and hub capabilities. How do we thread microservices? How do we prepare ourselves for the advent of 6G where the promise is an extremely higher bandwidth than what we can have currently with 5G? And we as a test and measurement company have to be one step ahead because we have to build test equipment for these 6G systems before they come out. So that's why we are very technology-centric and technology-focused. And this has been within the DNA of NI right from the beginning. How interesting. We've already covered a great number of, of trends, uh, trends as they, as they are relevant to the segments you're in and the business more broadly that you're in, uh, also specific technology trends uh, like in artificial intelligence and Gen AI more specifically. Uh, Thomas, uh, as you look to the future, are there other trends that particularly excite you that you would call out uh, that are beginning to make their way onto your personal roadmap that you're starting to play around with and, and validate value? I think there's a couple of things that are continuing to extend. One is data. Second is ubiquitous connectivity. With the advent of 6G, you're going to have more and more systems connected to each other, right? 5G has unlocked greater connectivity between people across the world, right? Anywhere you go into the world today, it's very difficult to find people who don't have a mobile phone today. You'll have more and more machine-to-machine communication, which means more data being generated. That coupled with the ability to connect between the edge and the cloud, layered with generative AI, is going to essentially make this a whole mesh of mesh. That's why we call the future of test is not an instrument, but it's an autonomous, hyper-automated system of systems that's constantly going to evolve. And how do we kind of, again, it goes back to the very basics. How do you use test and measurement to identify the root cause of an anomaly, the leading indicator for that anomaly, and mitigate that because an electric vehicle today has 2,000 microprocessors in it. A non-electric vehicle has 1,000 microprocessors in it. Look at our own homes. How many devices do we have connected to our router? All of them generated data. But the key thing is all of them try to make our life simple. But more importantly, we are doing more and more test and measurement in every step of the way. So how do we use this capability of test and measurement to make products better, deliver faster to the market and at a lower cost. That's kind of what I'm focused in. The intersection of generative AI, data, and connectivity is where I see a huge opportunity going into the future. That uh, makes a lot of sense, certainly, Thomas. Thank you for sharing that perspective. I also wanted to ask you uh, to build upon what you've already begun to mention in terms of the advantages you've had in your career, advantages of a diverse array of experiences, a diverse array of disciplines, uh, different companies in different geographies, for that matter, uh, and, and some of the advantages you've derived from that diversity. Are there other, as you think about your pathway to your current role as a chief technology officer of a multi-billion dollar organization, um, I, I wonder if there are other uh, secrets to your success, difference makers uh, on your climb towards your current position that you might call out. No, I always start with this very basic thing of customer value, right? 
if you sell something to a customer, if I sell something to a customer worth $100, I got to deliver at least $1,000 of value. And that value comes with the right combination of people, processes, reusable building blocks, and products. So it all starts with people. And whenever I go into a new place, I like to start with humility. I'd like to start with understanding what is there in that ecosystem. Don't try going and changing anything right from day one. Try to study it. Try to appreciate what are the core capabilities that made them where they are at this point of time. Then extrapolate some of my past experience from different industry, contextualize it, which is why I don't go in and start hiring new people right from day one. I actually take at least six months to study the environment, understand who are the key people, and then bring in the right set of talent that you need to be multipliers, but lead on the domain expertise that you already have in the organization and make judicious decisions, bringing people, processes, build reusable building blocks and products to keep delivering that customer value. Because customers don't buy things just for the sake of technology. They buy it for the value that it gives them to either get things to market faster or make things cheaper or more efficiently or effectively. Really great reflections there, Thomas. Thank you so much. And I can see in the many different contexts you, in which you've operated, the ways in which that the, each of, of the principles you've noted would be advantageous. Well, Thomas Benjamin, thank you so much for sharing perspectives from across your journey, of course, more specifically to the journey you're currently on at NI and the remarkable work that you and your team are doing. It's been a really terrific conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. It's been a pleasure interacting with you and talking to you.